Welcome to the Stories of Transformation podcast. I'm your host, Bakta Shahadi. Each week I dive into deep and intimate conversations with distinguished guests who share their unique perspectives about the most interesting topics of our time. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Gilare Kyazand, who is an Iranian filmmaker on the mission to revitalize the film industry and the documentary genre. Integrity, education, and companionship are among the fundamental values she carries in her work. She's the founder of C2 Productions, a media company which aims to produce high-quality productions by grouping talent that transcends borders. Indeed, Gelora and her crew serve as a collective conduit through which these stories of underrepresented people and places can be brought to light. In this episode of Stories of Transformation, Gelora shares some of the most profound insights she's collected over the course of her life and her career as a filmmaker. Topics include the unique perspective on the widespread misunderstanding of Iran and the greater Middle East. What the reciprocal benefit of an intimate moment between an artist and subject actually looks like, as well as the difference between attention span and consideration span, and lastly, the importance of experiencing a place in order to truly understand it. Gelara is one of the only women in the greater Middle East covering issues related to Iran, Afghanistan, and the region. Her perspective is unique, brave, and for that reason I brought her onto the show. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it far and wide. And as always, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. So without further delay, I bring you Gelara Kyazan. Gelara, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. Now, the way I like to kind of start my conversations is by asking... In your own words, how do you kind of define who you are? Well, I mean, I, I think the first thing we all uh, will go towards is defining ourselves through what we do. So if I am going to define myself, I would have to first look at the work I do and see if through there a definition can be found. I'm a cinematographer mainly, but that also comes in two different definition. It's a videographer as well as a director of photography. So that's the passion. That's I like to capture stories visually and try to express myself through visual frames, through light, through color, through capturing expression. That to me is how I try to at least express myself is through the images I capture through video. And at the same time, I, I, I work as a producer, so I get to produce some of the work I capture. So I, I produce documentaries. I've also worked on movies and um, working on potential further films to produce. So that's a wonderful kind of nuanced response to the question. I really appreciate that. And so, you know, you do a lot of work capturing the stories of people in places that are hard to reach and hard to access in Iran, in Afghanistan, and in the region. And so I'm kind of curious to know, how is it that you found your work, or, or even kind of throwing it this way, is how did your work find you? How was it that you discovered the, the art of documenting visually the world around you? I think it has to do a lot with uh, my background. I'm Iranian. I was born in Tehran. I left when I was six, and then Canada and... and um, England. So after graduating in Toronto, I realized that I don't know enough about Iran. And if I am going to sit in a room and say, hi, I'm Iranian, I need to have a better understanding of what that means. 
And I was very curious, wanted to travel back. And at that time, I wanted to be a filmmaker. So um, I was like, okay, maybe I can travel back. And through discovering more of Iran, I can tell stories and try to understand it. And since, you know, I grew up on the Western world or on the Western side, as, as we like to go East and West, I felt I had an understanding of what maybe, you know, they don't know and I could provide. So by traveling back here, I try to see how I can sort of connect or find stories that can potentially connect these two worlds or at least try to show areas where maybe people talk about less. So it all started from there. And, and the more I stayed, I ended up staying for six years. Um, I was only supposed to stay for three months, but <laughs> I, I got work and I was like, okay, this is great. I worked as a photographer and I continued working as a photographer. And I just realized the more I learned, the more I naturally realized that I don't know enough. And um, I continued staying in the region. Mm -hmm. That's great. You're talking about the idea of bringing two worlds together, right? The East and the West. What is the purpose of this work for you? Like, why is it that you feel that this is something that needs to happen? And then also, too, what has been the impact of your work given the trajectory of the work that you've done thus far? To be honest, I didn't think at the beginning there was a, like, there was a need, like there was a demand and I wanted to address it. It was mainly out of my own curiosity to go, oh, wow, here's a group of women doing something interesting in the South of Iran that taught me something. And, and so sometimes when I would sit with different groups that hadn't had the opportunity to come to Iran and they would ask me questions. Oh, does this exist or what do people do here? And I realized, oh, I can answer that question with this experience I just had and I saw and I, it taught me so much. So it kind of came from that where I was like, if I can influence myself or I can learn something or gain a story, then maybe this could be interesting for other people that I talk to and we share similar tastes. So it started from that. But then when I continued working, I also did realize that there is both a thirst, but also I think that sometimes there's a miscommunication. I think that um, sometimes when you want to say something quickly, you lose depth. Or like if you want to tell a story that sometimes we just don't have enough minutes to tell it all, then I feel like we lose so much of, of like the character or the location or the backstory. And I think there's a lot of backstory that needs to be told from this part of the world. I mean, I'll be specific. I think mm -hmm. Iran, I, you know, after being in Afghanistan, I feel like also with there, Turkey, I lived in Turkey. And like I traveled to Pakistan, very short stint. In some places I lived, I realized, hmm, sometimes I don't feel like we're getting the full story. Or sometimes I felt that um, things are being shortened or because this is not priority news or priority story, then it gets lost. So I guess now I'm trying to see if I can find that balance where you can tell a story and hopefully open up the miscommunication, like shed some, I don't want to sh say shed light because I feel like it's a bit cliche, but um, mm. it's just, it's, it's to share information, more information and more information that could be understood from both sides with the time constraint that there is at hand. I think that's been my main challenge is to tell a good story in whatever time constraint we have, but tell it in a way that is acceptable to both sides. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Now, what I've noticed about your work is that you're on the front lines doing the work at hand, going to these far-off places in Iran, Afghanistan, the region. And so I'd kind of like to explore the idea of what it means to have access to you know, the fact that you're a woman and you have the ability to communicate with Iranians, Afghans. What is it like to have the responsibility of having that access to hold the camera in those moments of intimate moments of people's lives that you're covering and that you're, you're capturing? I think that's the main reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm given these intimate moments and I think they're so rare and pure and I think so hard to come by. I always ask myself if I didn't do what I did, um, I, so much of what I experienced day to day would have been lost. And what I mean by that is when someone trusts you, someone you don't know trusts you and takes you into their lives and shares these intimate moments with you, especially on women, where in both Iran and Afghanistan, even in Turkey and some other places, they have a hard time, like they can't just open up to anyone. And then um, the fact that you, you, you as a woman are trusted and then are taken in, I think uh, it's, it's, it's such a magical moment to learn so much. And I am, I, my main source of inspiration comes from these moments because when I meet these women in, in their alone time and when I understand the hardships that they're going through to just wake up in the morning or just to keep going with everything working against them. I think it's it's quite profound. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the fact that I'm able to have this special access. Also, as a, sometimes being in an all-man's world, it's interesting too because you see how, how people react. Either they accept you and therefore you feel like, okay, I had a bit of an influence. Um, or they reject you and you sort of feel what most women feel day to day. Being in these moments of intimacy with your subjects, whether intentional or unintentional, what does it say about what it means to be human in terms of sharing these intimate moments with a complete stranger? Like, why do you think that there's an appetite for something like that to even happen? To be honest, I feel that the appetite is more on our end. I think we're definitely in some ways pushing to have them speak to us. And sometimes there's some parts where I feel we push too much as documentary filmmakers, as reporters, where have I pushed too much? Or maybe I had a negative influence where I was trying to get an answer or an intimate moment. Like, I think um, I think it's, it's beautiful and profound when you get to those, but I think it's important to also understand how we got there. And I really try to look into that because I, I think we have to be careful when we do go into these intimate moments, we don't create expectation, we don't create responsibility. There's a story about a documentary called Honeyland, and they talk about sort of what happened afterwards when they had these intimate connections. And it was very interesting. Um, But I mean, I just wanted to definitely say that because there is that which we have to be careful. But then when, yes, when you do have those really intimate moments and you are shared, I think it's both parties. I think think sometimes we want to be seen when someone's sharing a story with us, I think at the same time, we, we want to be accepted as the person or chosen as a person to be the listener. And I think um, at the same time, they're like, okay, someone cares, someone outside my own circle 
that is far away from me is curious to know more about me. So it just becomes this like balanced moment of where both parties feel like, okay, let's share something. Let's be friends. And uh, maybe in our sharing, we can help each other out Mm. or we can give each other uh, something that can stay with us in the ongoing days um, or like when we're feeling down. But I think, I think it's, it's a need on both ends. Yeah. When you get to those moments, Um, like for example, when I did a migration documentary with Louis Munir, like he was also in Afghanistan. He's, he's on some great documentaries and we did this, uh, the Bakhtiari uh, migration from this town called Lali in the south to Esfahan. So you have to cross over three provinces. It was like about a 270 kilometer trek. And uh, so 15 days, you were basically in the mountains and completely cut off. And so it was just me and the wife of one of the Bakhtiaris. So like there was moments where, you know, just all the guys would hang out and she would be by herself making bread. And like, you know, we we'd go sit next to each other because, you know, she wouldn't exactly talk to the rest of the crew because they were all guys. So we had that opportunity to really connect and for her to tell me like about her childhood and everything. And we did, we, we created a, a, I think it was a, the end of it, it was just a very beautiful friendship. We really needed mm-hmm. each other throughout the whole trip. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, the thing that's really surfacing for me right now is the idea of what it means to be a friend in those moments to somebody else and what friendship really is. And, you know, I think about this in the context of how those intimate moments change us and give us perspective, not only in terms of the person that we're speaking to, but also as a mirror into who we are ourselves. And so I'm wondering, you know, there's a South African saying, Ubuntu, right? The, the humanity that you see in others allows for you to see the humanity in yourself. And so in these moments that you're kind of talking about, I'm wondering how have these moments kind of redefined or kind of added color to what it means to be a friend for you? I think these, because they're also short-lived friendships. I mean, maybe this is really bad on my part, but I, I'm not, I don't keep in touch with everyone I work with. I don't keep in touch with the characters I get really close with. And, um, in some cases, obviously there's always follow-ups. You want to know how the other person's doing for sure. Uh, I would love to visit, for example, the woman I was talking about, but these friendships that occur, they're short-lived, but they're, they're quite insightful and, and they're full of depth because you're constantly with the person. Like, it's not like they're a part of your, that close circle that you go out and hang out, but it, it offers a, a different type of companionship and it, it offers you to exercise a different part of you in how you communicate and how you would respect one another. Because I think the, at the end of it, it's, it's about finding that mutual cultural connection. You know, that everyone's so culturally different because we're all brought up with our own set of ways and our traditions either passed down from our parents or from our, from our culture itself. But then the culture that we inhabit as individuals that are traveling and doing the work we do, then that obviously changes um, how we are. Keeping all that in mind, everyone's quite different, drastically different. So suddenly you're, you're in this similar situation where how you would normally do things is suddenly you're watching it next to someone who does it completely different and maybe even does it better. So I think these companionships 
offer this moment of exchange of culture, exchange of, oh, I'll teach you what I know and you can teach me what you know. And then, and you use it in your life. I think that every documentary I've worked on or every report I've done or every film, any, any type of work that required strangers in my life or I in theirs, there was a lot of learning and, and, and sharing of these cultures, which I think these moments allow us to expand our practices. So if I'm like set in a certain way, I'm suddenly offered something new and this will expand my horizon towards how I maybe talk to someone. I will now learn better how I can communicate or how I can express my emotion or how I can be more patient or, or so many different levels. So I think for me, that's what these, I think I would maybe call them more companionships offer. Yeah, I really like that. So let's talk about the idea of story and what story's role is in the context of what it means to be human. You're capturing moments and you're capturing people's stories in their lives. So I'm sure you've thought about this plenty. Help me understand or help us understand how you understand story and how is it that these moments or these companionships better enable you to tell a more provocative or more transformative and or compelling story? I think what it helps is that once you get to know the person that you're trying to tell the story of, I think the more you get to know them, the more you get close to them. You know, when you first meet someone and there's like a, there's a moment of excitement and or not, or, you know, there's always like first meetings with someone or like short meetings, you create, you know, early impressions. And usually, or sometimes, you know, this is not the one that actually defines the person, you know? We're going to always have these first impressions, which I think in time, naturally, they all change. And I think that uh, once you get past the first and the second and third and you live with a person or you spend a lot of time with the person, I think then you start going, okay, if I'm going to draw a picture of them or I'm going to put my camera at a certain angle, then let me capture the best understanding I have of the character in front of me. If I know how, for example, during the Bakhtiari, the migration, the hardship of this woman was just, was incredible. But the interesting part was that you saw her working so hard. And when you got to know her, you learned that she took pride in that. So you could at first be like, oh, this poor woman, she's being like abused, working this hard. But then when you spoke to her, you realize, no, that's, that's a part of her pride. Like, that's something that she believes is a part of who she is. You know, and then when she told me the story of her father and the story of her children and how the, this is all that she knows. Mm. But there is a sense of pride. So I could either choose to show her in a light of, oh, this poor woman, look at her. She's like, mm -hmm. oh, she's struggling, you know. She is struggling. It is hard. But if I show it in a sense of pride, in a sense of like, wow, you know, she's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to do anything less than this. It's it, Then it comes out of that sort of victim and it comes more into a hero perspective because that's who like for me at least that's what I thought of her I didn't you know I I didn't want to help her I wanted to learn from her you know I don't if that makes sense I think it's I think once you get to know someone it's so you can better choose your angle of how you want to portray the person and I think that's a very huge responsibility we have to be careful how we like uh portray those people that we meet hence why it's so important to get close to your subjects and uh, to the story you want to tell. 
let's talk about this, the work that you do in the, in the context of the greater overall understanding of how media works and how storytelling in the world of content creation now kind of is just enveloping the world. Like everybody now is able to create content. Everybody now is able to share it with the world via click of a button. And so how do you kind of understand the media landscape now? And how do you think it's beneficial? And how do you think it's detrimental? And how do we kind of, um, I'd like to fold that part into, you know, how does this lead to greater understanding based on the work that you do in terms of trying to bringing two worlds together, right? The East and the West, so to speak. So the first part is help me understand your thoughts on the media landscape and then help us understand how that's working for or against the mission that you kind of have for yourself. I think we all know that one of the main effects of the media landscape is social media. And I think it's about getting information quickly. I'm actually very off social media. I, I don't have a Twitter account. I did. I don't have Facebook. I'm just on Instagram. I post photos and sometimes I don't even post enough. Like it takes me forever to do a 20 second story. So I haven't educated myself enough about the whole digital content world. I know of it. I know some of it. I have a hard time telling things quickly. You know, I mean, one of the reasons why I couldn't stay on Twitter is because I couldn't tell my, you know, I couldn't speak in a sentence. I see how people are communicating much faster and gaining so much in that sense, which that's, there's a positive in that as well. Because at first I used to think that the room for features or the room for just a bit more longer type documentaries and stories, I felt like there wasn't any room for that. But then once now the whole series world has taken shape, like everybody's watching series, I realized that, oh, wow, now that we have this fast-paced social media on the side, we have this development of series, which essentially are like 20-hour films being told in parts. That's amazing. I'm loving the fact that now people are so into watching like a seven-part documentary series. So I started realizing, you know, all hope is not lost. Within the quick and fast and everybody wanting to know everything quickly, there is a world being created, uh, this content world of series, which makes me feel so much better that we can tell stories in a longer span. And like documentaries, there is an appetite for it. It's proven that people do want more in depth, do want to get to know people, are willing to sit down and listen to hours of interviews if it's told well, you know. So, yeah, there's hope. (laughs) No, totally. Totally. I think there's a lot of what you just said that makes a lot of sense. And I'm wondering even if it's like a misunderstanding of how human beings understand information. And so what I mean to say is people talk about how human beings have a very short attention span. And what you're demonstrating is that that's not the case, right? So we can listen to three-hour podcast episodes or watch seven series TV documentary series And we can at the same time have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and have these feeds where we're just clicking or scrolling. So what is that telling us? For me, it doesn't tell me that we have a short attention span, but instead it tells me that we have a short consideration span. Meaning if I see something that I like, I'll actually stop and say, okay, I'm gonna gonna allocate some time to this. And all of a sudden there's seven episodes deep, right? So I think what we have to kind of think about as storytellers is that how do we capture somebody's initial attention and or consideration to get them to essentially dive deep into the stories that I'm telling or the stories that I'm sharing. 
Because if human beings could sit down and watch hours of television, right? This idea of binging on Netflix for an entire weekend, who would have thought? It demonstrates that we actually have long attention spans. But we, in my mind, what we don't have is long consideration spans. Do I want to watch this? Do I want to hear this? Well, like you said, if the content's good, great. But ultimately, if the subject is actually quite entertaining and or I'm learning from it and or I'm going to improve from being engaged and or exposed to this, then yes, I will. So that's kind of what I'm understanding the the media landscape to kind of be and to kind of help me understand how we are in relation to it, if that makes any sense. It's interesting. I never I never thought of it that way, like the consideration span versus the attention span. Um, I think that, yes, we have all this potential to now tell longer stories. I think what, what needs to now get developed is that to be able to tell stories that are different. I think what sometimes I'm seeing is that some of the series or documentaries that are being focused on kind of tell very similar stories or are focused on a similar part of the world. I think that there is a fear sometimes that people won't watch like a certain type of story from, I don't know, maybe Iran, if it's not told in a specific way, then it's like, ah, I don't want it. It's boring. You know, I've heard that feedback where it's like, if it doesn't fall into the um, exotic category in some ways, um, or it doesn't have that political attention grabbing, then why would people watch it? I think that's, that's our challenge. I think from any country that maybe is not that present in the media landscape, I think that's our challenge to be able to try to find something to maybe show and prove that, no, you know what, this series or this story, I, because of this exact reason or this character, I think people can associate with it. And I think there are some media platforms that are starting to open up to this. I'm sure even those times where people wanted to tell the longer story was a challenge. I think that we just have to try to keep pushing that boundary in fitting these stories that most people be like, oh, boring. No, I don't think so. I think people wanting to know and sit down and 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 learn, I think we need to use that opportunity and, and try to fit as many stories as we can in a well thought out way. Again, not cliche, getting away from the stereotype, getting away from the cliche, mm-hmm. you know, really presenting people in a light that maybe they didn't expect. That is true. Yeah. No, I think it's all about adding a different perspective, which is which is why I'm really curious to kind of talk to you in the work that you do. And that's what's brought your work onto my radar is that you tell things and or tell stories from a very different perspective, which is not only refreshing, I think it's absolutely necessary because the appetite is definitely there. So as we're speaking, you're in Tehran and I'm in Washington, D.C. What is it like for, for you to be, one, in a place like Tehran and to understand in this current moment? what's happening here in the United States. And we're speaking three days after January 7th, where the Capitol was, people like to use the word insurrected, attacked. Raided. (laughs) Raided. So as you kind of think about where you're sitting, how do you kind of understand the United States from the perspective of being in Tehran as an Iranian? How do you kind of understand what's going on here? I'm just kind of curious to know what surfaces. You know, what's interesting is that like when you talk to the Iranians, they're like, oh my God, poor America. <laughs> like, are they doing, oh, should we help out? <laughs> you know, no, but um, I think a lot of us sit back and kind of go, um, it's important to acknowledge issues. You know, you keep pointing the finger 
at this part of the world and saying you guys or don't know or like like if we make one little mistake then it's like oh my god it's it's terrible like and yet there's mistakes happening there's some real issues that need to be discussed so no one's saying that the middle east doesn't have issues no one's saying that you know there's corruption or there's uh, there's a lot you know we don't have as we don't have equal rights or there's a lot of things that we don't have and no one's disagreeing with it, but we're not, at least in some ways, we're not hiding it. Like, you know, like, we're all like, hi, you know, we had issues. And I think it's, it's a matter of sometimes saying, Hey, you know, take away those double standards. If you're going to point fingers and say that person's bad, then you need to acknowledge your own. I think, I think there's a lot of issues that need to be acknowledged. And, and I think the wording or the words used to describe what we are here and what is happening. I think there's, we all are seeing the, the differences. And I think there's a lot of acknowledgement that needs to be made because um, mm-hmm. it sometimes feels unfair. The good news on this part is that you're seeing journalists or reporters or even citizens, you know, take this matter in their own hand. There's constant discussions. You know, again, I'm just on Instagram and I'm seeing it or the articles that are constantly being written, feature articles that are highlighting this. So it's good to know that the conversation is being pushed. Mm-hmm. Now to kind of, you know, extend this part of the conversation and kind of draw this out, what is really misunderstood about Iran? What is happening in Iran that we may not know here in the United States and or the West that you are seeing, experiencing that you think to yourself, okay, Iran's changing and this is how it's changing. Help us understand what exactly is misunderstood about Iran today. I think so much is saying that Iran is being misunderstood. I would I would say Iran is sometimes being only looked at through two filters. I think it's not the misunderstood part, it's the push to understand more. I think that there's there's a sometimes I feel there's a cutoff point of what Iran represents. Like when I tell people, you know, Iran's highly diversified. You know, we've got when you travel across the country you think you've traveled across every type of climate or every type of landscape there is. We have desert, we have, uh, we have mountains, we have the highlands, lowlands, you know, we have sea. There's not that many countries that hold this much uh, diversity in climate and in landscape. So just starting there, then you can ask so many questions. So hmm, who's living in the de- like in that type of climate region? Like wh- who are the people living in that desert or who are the people in the mountains or in, or in the south or like what are their differences and then you start realizing the national the different dialects the different um, cultures i mean what's fascinating about iran is i think the different ethnic groups the different cultures that you know the country was a nomadic country you know it was mainly nomads that basically formed um the type of traditions and lifestyles there were and then before that you know you also had um Obviously, you have like the deep history, you know, before that as well. So if you start looking at just a three few facts, you start realizing there's more to this place than just like, let's look at Iran through Tehran. You know, let's look at uh, the murals on the wall and see what they've written recently. I mean, there's there's so much more. And I think sometimes it's because we don't step out of Tehran as much in what we're saying. I'm hoping we can start telling more stories of the Kurds. I mean, the Kurdish region is fascinating and just what they're doing, the hand, like the handicraft, their, their cultures, are, the, just like the way they live and what they brought into the country. 
even in the north, when you go to the Turkish, the Azerbaijani, you know, and, and Tabriz and the history, then what they stand, the poetry. And I think once you start understanding this diversity, the differences, then you can start understanding, okay, so now let me put this like history to it, or at least the recent 100 years to this diversification or th this like different types of people. And then I can understand Oh, okay, maybe if that reaction happened, it happened for that. Or if we have this type of group, then I have a better understanding why it came about. It just, it allows you to put yourself in the position of the average Iranian in different parts of the country. I just think that we just don't know enough. No, I like that. It's the idea of, of pushing to understand more because there isn't enough to essentially base a real assessment on. Right? There's not enough information to basically understand. What you're saying actually folds back into the work that you do and the stories that you tell about the subjects that you follow and or you document, right? It's it's getting a multifaceted approach and or understanding of who this individual is and then telling the story of who they are in a wholesome way so if people can get an understanding of, okay, who is Fatima? Who is Ahmad? Who are these, who are these Kurds? What exactly is their purpose in life? But it's hard because, again, it's this idea of, you know, does it fit the narrative? Is it sensational? Is it going to, you know, surpass the filter of consideration, right? Does it help in terms of confirmation bias, right? Falling into this idea of the narrative. I think it takes a genuinely curious person to want to step out of the things that they think they know about the world and say, okay, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that's not being told? And how can I learn more? It takes somebody really curious to step into that space. And it takes somebody, in my opinion, also to somebody brave to say, what is it that I don't know? What is it that I don't understand about this region in the world? Or what is it that I don't understand about my own people? I think you said something really beautiful in how this conversation first started. You identified as an Iranian, but you thought to yourself, if I'm going to do this, I have to understand my country more. And that's what led you on this path that's brought you to who you are today and the work that you do today. Yes, it definitely started with that question. <laughs> and I think um, when you asked about um, the impact of media, I think sometimes we rely too much on media. And I think we need to sometimes push ourselves to experience. I think through our own experiences, there, sometimes you, you, you gain maybe as much as the media would try to tell you because the media is essentially taking you to a place and allowing you to experience but through much glass <laughs> you know in between and like i understand like we don't have that opportunity or the the luxury to travel all around the world and, and to experience everything i completely understand but i think sometimes we rely too much on, on others to give us experience and i think sometimes if we just take a little bit of that and rely it on ourselves that could help as well um because I'm not like, I, I, we can't just like keep blaming uh, either the media or the, this or that or whatever for some of the things we lacked. I, I mean, at least this is what I tell myself. I say, listen, if you, if you think you don't know enough, then go out and learn, you know. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's, it's a really push to try to be there in person in some ways. Yeah. If it's possible, you know. Um, because I think firsthand, when you feel things, when you smell it, when you feel it on your skin, when you understand the, the temperature of a place even, 
You know, you, you really understand why some decisions are made. And I think that's really important. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up this conversation, there's, um, there's something I like to ask all my guests and, you know, the best of your ability, given your life experiences and the way you kind of understand the world, you know, what is the message that you have for the world? I think kind of just try to really put ourselves in positions to learn firsthand without judgment, you know, and um, we think that's easy, but it's actually not. It's, it's so easy to go in with preconceptions because we're constantly being given information. So I think to take away any preconception, any notion, any idea, and to try to put yourself in a situation or a country or wherever and just go, okay, I'm going to take everything as if I know nothing. And it is interesting how you start attracting conversation. Like when you come in kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, or, you know, what is this? Or what, you come in with that sort of very childlike curiosity it's almost like people are willing to, to help you and teach you. And I think that's beautiful. And um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a, it's an interesting experience, um, insightful. I too have that same philosophy. I believe in the power of firsthand experience, not only as a matter of seeing things and having those things paint a more wholesome picture for how you understand the world, but also in terms of what it means to be a living person experiencing life to have life is a sense of responsibility to experience it in all the emotions that are associated with it. And so mm -hmm. I'm very much a proponent of experiencing life firsthand because it just makes you a more wholesome person. Yeah. And not as a, I have to be very careful when I say, but like, I think there's a, there's a tourist experience, you know, a, a touristic experience where, um, you know, you, you go three days, it's amazing. Everyone's so nice. People are so hospitable, hospitable and all this. And, but I think there's, then there's the embedding experience where you actually put yourself in that position. Like you allow yourself to kind of go through some of the hardships that may be at hand, you know? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, everyone should now leave their own cities and countries and start be living elsewhere and start looking for work. No, but what I'm saying is that I think that um, when you really embed somewhere and, and you try to like live in that climate with the bare minimum and sort of say, okay, if I was going to earn something, how would it go about? And you start kind of putting yourself in these positions and thinking, I think it can give you a different experience. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So as we close here, what are you working on in the future? What should we expect from you? So I've set up a, a small company. You know, there was a few of us, a few friends. Actually, we got together and we're like, okay, let's let's become a team and let's do some work as a unit instead of as an individual. So we've been working together now. Um, like we've set this company up, CITO Productions. CITO is, um, it means specifically for you in the Lori dialect. We're developing few documentaries and hopefully a few films. So our push is to do some more feature work on the documentary and on the fiction side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I just want to say I find your work not only fascinating, but deeply important. And I commend you on the courage that you have to go out and see the world firsthand and then tell the stories that uh, matter most. So I just want to personally thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. It means a lot. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, please share it far and wide. This podcast is made possible by a superb group of individuals. Specifically, this podcast was produced by Joe Ganjemi. Digital marketing by Catherine Ahn. Artwork by Mashida Hadi. And theme music by Kais Esaud. You can find us online via Stories of Transformation on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we have an online community named the Stories of Transformation group. In this group, we discuss topics related to human condition. Please join us. We'd love your engagement. Thank you for your support, and see you next time.